bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the Weird Darkness. I'm Darren Marlar, host of Weird Darkness, where I share stories of the paranormal, supernatural, legends, lore, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. Recently named one of the best storytellers in podcasting for 2019 by Podcast Business Journal. Whether it's ghosts, cryptids, true crime, or creepypastas, you'll find it all in Weird Darkness. Episodes uploaded seven days a week. Search for Weird Darkness in your favorite podcast app or listen now at WeirdDarkness.com. Hello, everyone. I, along with my co-creator, David Flora, and my mighty crew, well, we're all out tramping around through the deserts of Southern California, shooting our much-delayed documentary, Shadows in the Desert, High Strangeness in the Brago Triangle. So sadly, there will be no new episode this evening, but I'm not going to leave you high and dry. I've dusted off a classic Monsters Among Us Beyond episode to help fill the void. So enjoy the episode. Consider joining our Patreon campaign to hear more like it. And unless the Sandman gets us, I'll talk with you next week. Hello, Derek Hayes. You may recognize my voice. This is Dave McKenzie, who in the past has called you multiple times, as you probably remember. (laughs) Hopefully that's a good thing. Hey, I am just calling to remind you, okay... It was so many months ago, I can't remember if it was late last year, early this year, but I know it happened either on Monsters Among Us or on the round, on one of the round tables, that you predicted that Bigfoot would be captured on October 20th, 2020, which is, as of today, is just about a week away. So I just wanted to remind you of that. I have no life, as you probably could guess, <laughs> and I did write this down way back when on my calendar, and I just noticed that it's coming up, so... I just thought you should know you might watch the news that day or who knows. (laughs) Hope all is well. Hope you're staying safe in this crazy year and hopefully 2021 is going to be better for everybody. Okay. You take care. Thanks. Bye. I bet we would have found him if it weren't for COVID and those meddling kids. Or maybe they did find him and they simply are hiding it from the rest of us. Either way, thanks David for keeping me honest. Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us Beyond, number 41. 
My name is Derek Hayes, and I'll be your guide this evening. Now, I have a gnarly bunch of calls that I'm dying to get to, so I'll keep this brief. Welcome aboard. Keep all hands, arms, feet, legs, and fingers inside at all times. Well, the ones you want to keep. Please, don't pet, feed, jostle, or torment any of the monsters. Never tell spirits your name. And if, and not when, you get abducted, it's best not to look them in the eyes. But above all rules and regulations, do not touch that dial. To kick off this creepy podcast, we begin in one of the strangest states in the country. Please welcome our anonymous caller from the state of Wisconsin. Hi, Derek. Calling from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, near in the Midwest. I wanted to call in and share my experience in 2004-2005 when I was a freshman in college. I attended the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design, and they also had dormitories nearby. The Art Institute is actually in the historic Third Ward, which is just south of Milwaukee's downtown and east of Milwaukee River. And of course, like most major metropolitan cities, the Third Ward is like an industrial area that's been gentrified now. But the Third Ward had a couple of pretty big tragedies. One was a ship where a bunch of people from the area around Lake Michigan and the ship was sunk. And the other one was a huge, huge fire in 1894, 1895. And it burned down tons of the Third Ward and a lot of families were displaced. So when I was there in 2004, 2005, as a freshman living in the dorms in one of the historic buildings, it was still pretty, I guess, on or non-gentrified. Um, maybe there's a couple of textile factories still in the area. But anyway, the dorm that I lived in had multiple floors and you just kind of get up on the elevator and it would open up to a large common area. And then there would be suites off of that. So like long hallways with a couple of dorm rooms in each and then a common area at the end of that particular suite just for hanging out, doing work. And sometimes it'd be overflow for other people who would come and stay with us during the semesters. My roommate was, at the time, was she was a heavier set gal, but she was just like very big boned and very tall. And the reason why I say that is because whenever she came onto the floor, like you could hear her coming off the elevator. You could hear her, literally her footsteps stomping, stomping, stomping. So I'm a light sleeper, so I, would, I knew that it was her. It's like a, so an instinct. You can just tell like based off of the gait to the stride and the, the footstep that you know it was her. And I, I say this because one night I had gone to bed early and she had gone out and I don't think there was anybody left in our suite. And I had heard a very faint knocking on the dorm room door. And I was just kind of falling asleep, so I didn't really think it was anything at the time. But I, yeah, I thought I heard a faint knocking. And I thought it was weird because I did not hear anybody come into our suite. We were the first dorm room at the entry of the suite. And I didn't hear anybody come off the elevator or anything like that. So I thought that was really weird. But I also chalked it up to the fact that I'd kind of been falling asleep. And shortly after that, I heard the knocking again. And I was I definitely kind of perked up. I was a little scared because, again, I did not hear anyone coming through the door. Our doors are like really heavy, kind of 70s style uh, institutional doors that you can like really hear open and they actually take effort to open them. And I didn't want to get out of my bunk bed because I kind of, I was actually scared at that point because I was like, is somebody playing a trick on me? Like, I, I really don't want to be scared right now. 
So I just stayed in my bed, but I stayed alert. Maybe about five to eight minutes later, I heard the knocking again, and it was really, really faint, like as if it were like a child or somebody, I don't know, trying to play a prank on me. And I slowly climbed off my bunk bed, hesitant, and I walked towards the door, and I opened it very quickly just to see if I could basically punk the other person on the other side of the door. There was no one there. It was completely pitch black. I don't think anybody was playing a prank on me. Like, again, I would have heard it. So I definitely went back to bed a little scared and freaked out, but I did end up going to bed. But within that week, I was at another friend's suite area and her boyfriend had come over and their suite had a couple of bunk beds at the end. And we used to just like hang out in there and chit chat and hang out. It's much more entertaining than my suite. So I was in there with my friend and her boyfriend and her roommate, and I was telling them about what happened. And I thought that my roommate had played a prank on me um, and just trying to recount the story as best I could. Um, and it kind of got freaked out, but we all like love telling each other ghost stories or paranormal stories. It's just something fun that we like to do. So as we were going to bed and just kind of dozing off, I was in one out of the two bunk beds. I was at the top bunk bed and there was another bunk bed across from me. Um, and my friend's roommate was sleeping in that bed. And my friend and her boyfriend were sleeping in his tiny bed below me. And as we were dozing off, I looked across the, the room and I saw that my friend's roommate had all of a sudden sit up in her bunk bed. And it was just like a black silhouette of her because the lights were off. And I called out to her because I just thought it was super strange that she was kind of just sitting kind of straight up in her bed, just looking, staring out into space. And it started to kind of get me a little freaked out or maybe there was something wrong with her. So I called out to her and I said, are you okay? You know, are you okay using her name? And she didn't say anything. She just kept staring out into space. And yeah, I just kind of got a little bit freaked out, but literally within a flash, I don't even know how to explain it, within a flash, that silhouette just disappeared. It disappeared. It, it almost looked like it swooshed. It swooshed into the wall. And it, I, I don't really know how to explain it, but it wasn't even like a something dissolving. It, it, it looked like if you were watching, you know, like cartoons, like the Roadrunner, how you could actually see the dust kicked up behind the Roadrunner. It was very cartoonish. And it was like the body did like a sweeping kind of J motion and just disappeared. I think the freakiest thing about it was that not only did I see the swoosh, I saw this like beautiful, long flowing hair. It also looked very cartoonish. It was very clumpy and like animated. And it went along with the swoosh as if it were, you know, a, a young girl or someone with really long hair. And the swoosh went, you know, the hair went with the swoosh and just disappeared. That sent chills down my spine for certain. I know what I saw. I actually said something out loud I, to my friend and her boyfriend and her boyfriend actually was awake, but he didn't say anything. And I said, did you see that? And he said, yes, yes, I did. I saw that. So I was really afraid, but I had to figure out whether maybe we were just seeing something or if, if it were really the case. So I climbed down the bunk bed and I walked over to the bunk so reluctantly because I was freaked out. And I just poked my friend's roommate and I said, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? 
and I woke her out of her sleep and I said, were you just sitting up in your bed? And she said, no, no, I wasn't. And she was speaking in a groggy tone. I did definitely link the knocking on my door, the faint knocking with what I saw. I just thought it was strange that those two things had happened to me within the same week. And I'd never experienced anything like that. And I can't help but think that maybe we were haunted by the ghost of maybe somebody who died in that fire because the Cocker Estate Building, which is where the dorms were in, was actually rebuilt in 1895. And a lot of other really famous architects were brought into the Third Ward to rebuild it because it was such a catastrophic fire. And there was so much commerce that happened there. So it was basically like a big push by society to rebuild this entire neighborhood. That's how catastrophic it was. So I've been listening to your podcast this summer. I was just introduced to it by my friend, Paul and Angie. Shout out to them, just a great podcast. So I'd love to hear if anybody has any other stories about the Third Ward. Um, when I was there, one of the last remaining textile factories was actually just across the street from our dorms. There was a lot of dry goods sales that occurred there, um, a lot of fruit sales, other grocery types of sales happening there by the Italian immigrants up, up until like 1929, 1930. Yeah, so if anybody has any other stories about the Third Ward, I'd love to hear them um, because why not? I love um, local history and I love a good ghost story. So thanks again for your podcast. It's so awesome. And I love just spending the day listening to um, these podcast stories when I'm at work. So thank you and have a good one. Bye. Thank you, caller. Now, oddly enough, having grown up in Ohio and having gone to school in Northwest Ohio, I've surprisingly had little interaction with the Great Lake region. Aside from a few trips out on Lake Erie. Now, I certainly aim to change that once all of this nastiness is behind us. But that said, our caller story got me digging. And as a result, I unearthed some interesting information about a hotel just outside the Third Ward that has a reputation for hosting a haunt or two. The historic Fister Hotel, located in downtown Milwaukee. Now, one interesting tidbit about the hotel, besides its ghostly guest, is the fact that visiting teams playing Major League Baseball's Milwaukee Brewers also stay at the Fister And well, you combine those two, you get the following story from the Associated Press. It's like any scary movie. I just stay away from it. Major League Baseball's Mike Cameron may be fearless in center field, but when it comes to Milwaukee's Fister Hotel, not so much. And when somebody tells me that they wake up in the middle of the night just out of the blue and they feel like somebody's in the room with them and the door's wide open, that's enough to, to start changing, making some different plans. The hotel is the city's most regal address, an upscale pit stop for business travelers and out-of-town visitors, including many Major League Baseball teams. But some say while the posh accommodations may be nice, the 116 years of history are a little unnerving. The halls are, feel real hollow. Uh, the floors are real creepy, like old wooden floors. Cameron swears it's haunted. Minnesota Twins center fielder Carlos Gomez also had an odd experience at the Fister. First, he heard voices. Then he watched his iPod go haywire after he got out of the shower, sending him scrambling for the lobby without stopping to put on his pants and shoes. When he had to stay at the hotel last month, he brought extra protection. 
a Bible. Several Florida Marlins recently had unexplained odd experiences there, too, but few are willing to talk publicly about what they've seen and heard. No, I mean it. When we're able, Sarah and I are going to make our way up there. In the summer, of course. Thanks again, caller, for taking the time to share your story. Now our next eerie entry details a creature that just might or might not rip your face off. Please welcome Chris from the Volunteer State to the program. Hi, this is Chris. I'm from Southeast Tennessee, and I just uh, found the podcast and uh, discovered that you like big black cat stories. This was in uh, 1995 in late summer. My wife and I had bought my grandparents a home, and I was outside at about 5 p.m. washing my car. I noticed in the land behind us, which is about 10 acres, that about five or six acres back, there was a black object moving across the field. The hay at the time was about waist high on an adult, and this animal was solid black. I would assume three to four feet high at the shoulder and about six feet long, including the tail, because I could tell it was a cat. Um, at that point, the cat stopped and we both stared at each other for what seemed like a very long time. And I decided that it was probably best for me to go inside because this was a large animal. After that, my wife and I saw the animal probably one or two more times and then uh, heard it several times at night screaming like a mountain lion would. But my grandfather had always told me that there were painters in them woods. And I had no idea what he was talking about until I discovered panthers is what he was meaning. So um, it's an interesting thing, but seeing as how around our property now, there are a lot of homes and the industry coming in. I have not seen the animal again, but uh, that's my story and uh, hope you like it. Thanks, Chris. The more of these ABC calls that I hear the more I'm able to compile a bit of a profile on the creature. And a majority of that information suggests that these creatures, if they exist, have a well-distinguished range. From what I can gather, they tend to stick to the Appalachian Mountains and its surrounding foothills. States such as Tennessee, the Carolinas, Western Virginia, Kentucky, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, and of course, the location of my sighting, Ohio. One could even argue that outliers like Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and even Maryland could be included. But a little inside baseball here for you guys. My ABC folder in the vault currently has 19 unheard ABC submissions. Of those, nearly half were submitted by one of those states. Coincidence? Or does this pattern suggest that Not only does this creature exist, it has a specific range and habitat. But be like Chris, and keep submitting those ABC tales, and maybe one day we will get to the bottom of this mystery. And if you do have an alien big cat call you would like to submit, 
or any other true paranormal experience for that matter, call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Now next on the list, we make our way to one of those ABC-riddled states. The state of Illinois, to be precise. Please welcome Rich to the program. Hey, Derek. This is Rich from uh, Montgomery, Illinois. I'm calling because just now I was driving uh, southbound down Illinois 25. It's right off of the Fox River. I'm just driving down and got close to the water treatment plant and about a little bit left of the moon, but it wasn't a star, but it wasn't also a plane because it, like, it was really low and it was just sitting there and it's just like a bright white light. And this is like, this happened today, May 10th. I'm, I, I'm just calling you right now. So it was sitting there, my whole drive down 25, it was about 25 minutes, ironically enough. But uh, so you know, I pull in my driveway, it's about like a two minute walk from the river. I pull in the driveway, I you know get all my stuff ready, go inside, put it all down, come back outside, I walk down to the river and it's gone. But there's this, it's like a contrail that was left behind just shooting from where it was, eastbound, just pew, and it was like, it's three times bigger than any normal contrail I've seen. And it's kind of spiraled in the middle of it. And, you know, I, that, that was it. I didn't see it take off. I just saw this bright light, park the car, come back, and it's gone. Just it, it has this contrail that it left or something. But, you know, that just happened right now. But uh, love the podcast and keep it up, man. Thanks. Thanks for thinking of us right away, Rich. Now, I'd like to be quick and dismiss this one as a planet or the such. If it weren't for the fact that the object disappeared. Now, toss in the strange contrail, and I'm even more baffled. Now, I will say that this sort of sounds like a rocket or perhaps a missile launch. Not too unlike the SpaceX launches that we bear witness to here on the West Coast. But I was unable to find any confirmed missile launches in the state of Illinois outside of a failed amateur rocket was launched on YouTube. And that certainly wasn't what Rich was reporting. Coincidentally, while searching, I did find phase two of the new studio space up for auction in the state of Illinois. Check this out and tell me what you guys think. The Nike missile base is tucked away behind a gated fence near the Monroe County village of Hecker, Illinois, with a population of about 500. It's been shuttered since 1969, and all of the missiles are long gone. Now, more than 40 years later, the historic base is up for sale to the highest bidder. Go back to Cold War times, this was part of a missile defense system for the city of St. Louis. Army's plan for potential defense missile launches versus uh, Soviet airplanes. The 14-acre site includes an administration building, a bunker complex, elevator pads, a shop, pump holes, and a generator building. And although it was built in the 1950s, the elevator is still working. And the campus is made up of three deactivated bunkers that once had the capability of launching missiles. Now that clip is courtesy of reporter Kelly Hoskins by way of Fox 2 out of St. Louis. Check this place out if you get a chance. Unfortunately, it sold several years ago, so I guess the search continues. Thanks again, Rich, for reporting what was a puzzling experience, for sure. 
Now, a few regular episodes back, I shared a call from a gentleman that claimed to have experienced men without faces. Season 10, episode 17 to be exact. But wouldn't you believe, another one, just like it, just dropped in my lap. The following is Andrew's experience, out of the state of California. Hey, Derek. I'm Andrew from California, Central California. I just have a simple, simple ghost story to tell you. This happened maybe eight years ago, something like that. When my brother was going to college in Sacramento, me and him were both pretty into road biking, biking along trails and such. And one night, a buddy of mine needed a ride to a concert in Sacramento. And my brother, he had been home at the time. Uh, We agreed to take him and we figured, hey, you know, there's this cool trail up there that he was going to show me. And we'd take our bikes and and ride the trail uh, while my friend was at the concert. So we dropped our buddy off. And I forget which trail it was. I think it was uh, Sacramento River or something like that. But, uh, yeah, we're on the trail. It's like 10 at night because the show was like, you know, 9, 9 p.m. So by the time we got to the trail, it was already pretty dark. And... You know, we're biking. Uh, we had lights on, obviously. But um, a couple miles in, uh, it's just pitch black and wooded. And all we can see are our lights. And I'm thinking this was a pretty dumb idea because it's not really that safe. But I remember uh, we had a uh, bike computer. And it would tell you, you know, your speed and how far you've ridden. And I think it was like five miles out on this trail, like pretty far out. Nobody should be out there at 10 o'clock. We break out of this wooded area with trees all around us. I remember a opening with a power line around it nearby and I could hear the buzzing and the trails coming up and there's a 90 degree bend and I just see this man, this white figure wearing white at the corner of the trail. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird, you know? I don't think anybody should be out here at this time of night at this far away from civilization. And you know, we're, we're on this trail, we're biking, and we're coming closer to the guy. And I'm looking at him to try to give him, like, a nod or something, you know, like, hey, you know, being friendly. And as we passed by him, I couldn't see his face. I couldn't focus on his face. It was the weirdest thing. Like, I'm squinting my eyes, and it was like, I should be able to see this person's face, but all I'm seeing is white. And we ride up, like, another half mile or something, and we were like, hey... That, that was kind of weird you see that and we both agree that was like super weird like there shouldn't be a person out there and I think my brother agreed with me that he looked like a ghost we turned right back around because we figured we'd ridden far enough and he wasn't there at the bend he wasn't anywhere else on the trail he just was gone anyway that was my story thank you for the podcast I listen to it every day at work it makes the time go way faster Yeah, have a good one. Thanks, Andrew. Well, I must say, Andrew's version is a lot easier to connect than was the call from episode 17. Andrew's rang a bell for me. To make this connection, we have to go all the way back to episode 2 of season 10, which feels like an eternity ago at this point. But in that episode, I shared a call from Dan about seeing a hitchhiker in a yellow raincoat with a melted face. 
And that's when I was reminded of the story of Charlie No-Face. And here is that tragic story from Season 10, Episode 2, via Bob Potter at The Times Online and Gary Lediber on YouTube. Charlie No-Face was Raymond Robinson. He lived in Big Beaver Borough uh, his entire life, as far as I can tell, and he lived with family members. In the summer of 1919, when he was eight years old, he and several friends were horsing around an old trolley bridge. They saw a bird's nest up on the top of this bridge, and being curious boys, they decided, well, we're going to go look and see what's in that bird's nest. And Ray Robinson happened to be the one who volunteered to climb up there and look in the nest. Well, when he got up there, or on his way up, he came into contact with uh, high voltage on the bridge and was terribly burned. In fact, uh, the newspapers at the time gave him no chance for survival. Despite his injuries, he lived for a long time after that. And at some point, nobody really knows when, he began walking the Copple New Galilee Road at night. What a sad and tragic story. Now, I certainly hope old Ray could find a little fun in being part of a legend like that. Otherwise, that sort of attention could make for a miserable existence. Rest in peace, Charlie. Or, as I'm sure he would have preferred, Raymond. Thanks again, Andrew, for sharing that entry. Now, real quick, before we continue... The response to the recent Rewind episode was very positive, so I think I'll be doing a regular feature of that going forward, so be on the lookout for that in your Patreon feed. Now, let's switch gears and jump the northern border. Evan in Canada has a tale for us. Hey, my name is Evan, and I'm from Alberta. I have a shadow person story, but it's kind of the opposite of a shadow person. When I was around seven, uh, we moved into the new ha- a new house, and my room wasn't set up, my bed wasn't put together, so I was sleeping in my parents' room, and they, the bed was facing the door, and there was a dresser directly to the right of it, and there was about a two-foot gap from the ceiling to the top of the dresser. So it was just a normal night. I went to bed, I was sleeping in between them, and... I don't know what time, but I awoke and there was the figure of a man crouched over on the dresser. It was all white, but it wasn't perfectly white. It was more like like a blurry kind of, like kind of like how you see static on a TV, but all white. It was hard to notice, but he kind of like moved his head a little and moved his arms because it was hard to see because it was just a silhouette. and. How it was crouching over, it kind of looked like if you imagine Spider-Man on a building. It was kind of hunched over like that. And I don't know if it was looking at me, but uh, I was pretty freaked out. So I just hid my head under the covers and I was like praying that I was seeing things. And I peeked back over the bed and it was gone. That really terrified me. I couldn't really go back to sleep. I never told my parents about that. I've never had sleep paralysis anything like that and I've never seen anything else like that in the house this house I still live in to this day my family is actually from Newfoundland so I have a lot of stories about uh, stuff that happens there they'd be kind of short but I can tell a few 
So let me know if you'd want to hear those. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Evan. That sounds like a traumatizing experience, no doubt. It sounds reminiscent of some of the Static Man reports that we've covered in earlier episodes. Essentially, the antithesis of a shadow entity. The Static Man seems to be made of swirling light or liquid, or even, as the name suggests, TV static. Fascinating stuff, Evan. And of course we want to hear about all these Newfoundland stories. Sounds like some of those are prime for the upcoming Hometown Legends episode. Well, we're down to our last two calls of the evening. And we saved some good ones for last. To kick off the duo, please join me in welcoming Eli from the state of Hawaii to the program. Hey, Derek, it's Eli calling in a military story for the upcoming podcast. I was reminded of this story when talking with a friend of mine and then also listening to the podcast where the lady saw the spider-like humanoid shadow figure. So in 2016, we were on an underway out somewhere off the coast of San Diego. And there was a guy that I worked with who told us he had night terrors. And a couple of different times throughout the time of working with him, he would wake up screaming and whatnot, have his night terror freak out. Well, one particular night on this underway, I was up in my rack. I had my blinds on the rack opened up, slept on the third rack up, and he also slept on the third rack up, but he slept kind of at an angle from me on the same aisle. So I was just up in my rack watching a movie on my computer or whatever, and he starts screaming, hey, man, get off me, get off me. And I look, and the guy is a big guy. He's about 6'2", maybe 200 pounds. He's a pretty big guy. But as I'm sitting there looking out, I see a shadow figure has grabbed his leg and is pulling him. And his leg is about halfway out of his rack now. And the shadow figure looks over and sees me. And when he sees me, uh, like I can see with the red lights that are on in the birthing, a humanoid, arms, legs, he's got his hand grabbing the foot, pulling him out. And something from his back, like a fifth arm or something reaches up into the pipes and stuff at the top of the birthing and he starts to pull himself up and then just disappears. His leg stops getting pulled out. Everyone's awake at this point and I'm just looking like white as a ghost when the guy in the rack next to me looks over he's like, hey, what, what's up? I was like, dude, something was pulling on him like for real. He's like, no way, no way. So I don't know if anybody else has seen the spider-like humanoid thing, but when I heard that podcast entry, it reminded me of the story and then talking with my friend, who was actually the guy in the rack next to me. I don't know what they are. I don't know if anybody does, but pretty freaky. Anyway, have a good one, Derek. Bye. Thanks, Eli. Sadly, he missed the deadline for the military episode, but I'm not one to let a great call go to waste. Now, as for the event in question... I always have a difficult time discussing shadow entities, not because of lack of interest by me or the listener, but more so because there are only so many details surrounding this odd phenomena, only so many things that I can discuss. Now, outside of the speculation as to their origin, and a constant yet vague description, we really don't know much. Some of this activity is like that. Ghost lights are another phenomenon that 
although common, is still somehow shrouded in mystery. So until that next clue, we will do our best to continue the search. So thanks again, Eli, for sharing. And here we are, folks, our final call of the evening. And this one was sent in from the state of Oregon. Please, welcome Dave to the program. Hi, it's Dave again. I've called a few times. I start thinking about different things that have happened, and I decide that it's time to call in again. I want to tell a story. This isn't something that I actually saw. It's something that has stuck with my wife and I since we have been out camping. And I, I live in Oregon. We love to go outdoors. We spend a lot of time camping up in the woods. We have some places where we like to gold pan and pretty much out of the way, up in the forest, out in the woods, away from a lot of people, little, little placer mines that uh, we can go in and, and gold pan on. And there was one time that my wife and I were up camping, and this was probably in September-ish, maybe October, I don't remember if I was hunting or not, but we had went up and we had been gold panning through the day and we were staying in our camper. That night we have a trailer and it's parked right on the river and we went to sleep and this was around 1.30 in the morning. My wife and I woke up and shot straight up out of bed, sat straight up in bed, both of her looked at each other and said, what was that? And about the time that we said that, it did it again. It was a loud scream and it, you gotta understand, we're, I don't know, miles away from the nearest uh, person that was camping with in that area and it's out in the middle of the woods by itself. And this scream was the kind of scream that, first off, it was terrifying because it woke us up out of a dead sleep. Um, at that point, I grabbed my gun and I just sat in there. Terry, my wife said, are you going to go outside? I said, I'm not going outside. I don't know what that was, but I've never heard anything like it. We've talked about this many times since then. We've asked friends about, was it something that, I don't know, I've heard bear, I've heard elk. And during the middle of the night when it's dark, to hear something right behind us two times scream as loud as it could with nobody around. We didn't hear any cars, any people take off running, you know, playing a practical joke. It was a scream the kind that I've never heard before, and we've talked about it, we can't identify, we do not know, and it's it's hard to describe the type of scream that happened with it, but it seems like this has led to other times when I'm out camping, things happening, and I've, I've heard some of the different, I guess you'd call them experts on Bigfoot, talk about how there's like a, a mental connection where you can hear mind speak, they talk about, and I wonder if there is a connection where they know people who believe in them or that have seen, because I've never seen one personally, but I've had experiences that I thought were them, and the second one happened in a completely different area with some friends of mine around. We were all camping in this open camp area, and during the middle of the night, I thought that something had came and hit on, to on the side or the top of our trailer, and I got up and looked around. There was no branch, no tree, nothing, but it was a loud slap on the sides of the trailer. Now, we had two friends, one that was up from us and one that was down from us, and I asked them in the morning if they had heard it. And the one guy that was up above said, yeah, I did hear it. And I, and I looked and, and I didn't see anything, but it was like a loud slap. It sounded like a bang on the side of the trailer. And when it first happened, I thought maybe a deer had been running and being chased by a, I don't know, a, a cougar or something. And it ran headlong side into the side of the trailer, but there was nothing there. There was no stick. There was no... I, I no spot where it looked like something had hit it, and I and once again I heard no other sound other than the loud slap on the side of the trailer during the middle of the night that uh, my friend Adam, who was up the road, had heard also, and he sat up in bed. And this was about one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, also. 
So I don't know if these are, you know, the loud scream and the slap on the side of the trailer because they have some kind of mental connection with the people who believe in them or who are always looking out for them. But it seems kind of strange to me that that's something that happens and other people hear it. And it just, I don't know, it's somehow the connection seems to be strange. And I don't understand what the connection is, but... Anyway, I know it's a strange little story, but it's something that happened. I wanted to let you know about it, and I'm still waiting to see one. I'd love to see a Bigfoot. I would love to see one, but I uh, love your show. Thanks for all you do, and thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. Whenever I hear about strange sounds in the state of Oregon, I think of this. Neighbors in this Forest Grove neighborhood have no idea what this mystery sound is, but they agree on three things. It's loud, obnoxious, and they want it to stop. The tone is very high, so it gets to a point where it really affects your hearing. Paula Lynch can't figure out what the sound is. It's hard to identify what angle it's coming from because it just kind of encompasses the area. She's heard it five times. Her neighbor? has heard it three times, and they both say it's happening during the day and into the evening. Paula posted a recording she made and threw it up on Facebook. It's been shared repeatedly. The fire department thought it, it possibly could be maybe something happening with the sewer system, some sort of a whistling under there. A spokesperson with the fire department says that their crews haven't been in the area to actually hear the sound themselves, so they're left in the dark. For now, the mystery continues. We're just hoping that maybe somebody might be able to identify it so we can report it and have it stop happening. How annoying would that be? Now, as of January 21, it doesn't seem that anyone has solved this little mystery. But like most others, I agree, it's likely something mechanical. But I know you guys. You didn't come here to hear annoying sounds. You came here to hear stuff like this. That is a portion of a 20-minute recording a husband and wife made of something strange while they were stranded on the side of the road. The full clip begins with the following message. On July 8, 2012, near Clipper Mills, California, our truck broke down while towing our boat to a nearby lake. We were forced to spend the night on the side of the road until the next day when we could deal with our transmission issues. There was no cell phone service, nowhere to go. The screams began around 10 p.m. This video is a recording of what we experienced that night. And here is a condensed and enhanced version of that audio. Now the couple appear to have two large, lab-sized dogs with them. And throughout the video, the dogs are absolutely silent. It's only toward the end that one of them begins to growl at the approaching sounds. Crazy. Mm -hmm. 
That's no dog. It's a bear. He's a bear. I don't think so. They don't call that much. What the f*** is that? They hear a dog down there barking. right over there whatever it is over there there's a bunch of them they're talking they're just communicating you can hear the dog barking amongst these howls Now that audio comes courtesy of Big Toe Time on YouTube. And it's worth noting that Clipper Mills, California is only about 200 miles south of the Oregon border. So take that for what it's worth. And these certainly aren't the first or last strange sounds that we've heard about coming from the Pacific Northwest. So what say you? Bigfoot. Something mechanical. Some known animal. Some wild person. Or something else altogether. And that's going to do it for this episode. A humongous thank you to each and every one of you for your support. I'm 100% honest in saying, we can't do it without you. Monsters Among Us Beyond is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the terrifying score that you hear is co.ag music and white bat audio. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time.
Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're here to believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? <laughs>